Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you this morning because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to hear. And our faith is being built up into the fullness of the image of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We started this conversation on the subject of godliness and contentment. And uh, I'd like to kick off this morning because we have limited time. I'd like to kick off by reading, I'll get to the scriptures, but I'd like to read uh, a part from this more or less book by Jeff. It's on page 35. And if you go to, go to that page, you see a circle. There's a circle of get more, want more, spend more, get more, want more, spend more, get more, want more, spend more. And it's like an, a never-ending circle. And the, the, the paragraph there is, what is enough? This may be the most critical question of our generation. More important, it may be the most critical question of our personal lives. If we do not make a personal choice to draw a line, we will be taken over by desire. Defining enough is our personal responsibility. We won't recognize enough in our lives unless we have taken the time to define that line. Defining enough leads to a freedom in life that is just waiting to be experienced. Breaking the bondage of ever increasing desires. I'd like to pick up from that point, and we've been talking about godliness and contentment, which is great gain. And like I said before, I'd like to re-emphasize, I believe that the Lord wants to increase us, I believe that the Lord wants to bless us, I believe that God wants to prosper us, but on our way in that journey, we must be content with our journey. And contentment, like I emphasized before, try to get the messages, is not about whether you have or you don't have. It's a state of being that has to be learned. And we read that from the book of Philippians chapter 4. When the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It is not a scripture of ability. You know, most times when we read that scripture, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You, you just think, oh, I can do everything. No, that's not really in context what the scripture is taking talking about. So I'd like us to read it in context and pick up from the Philippians chapter 4 and um, I want to read from verse 12 we'll stop at verse 14 Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 and 14 in as much as we've got the scriptures going on on the slide I'll encourage you to look at your Bible this should be the last option for you it's important that you keep your eyes on the word okay, this should be like a last option or if you can't get the scriptures on time but it's important to to get to look at the scriptures put put your eyes on them look at them philippians chapter 4 and verse 12 i know how okay let's read from verse 11 uh okay verse 10 but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So, they were ministering to Paul, but they cared about Paul, but they lacked opportunity to minister to Paul because this was not the time where you can do a a, a transfer. You could not transfer money to Paul. 
If they needed to get something to Paul in a Roman jail, someone had to travel to them, to Paul. So they wanted to give to Paul, but they lacked the opportunity. Now they had the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. This is important. That a minister of the gospel must not present a, a needy, uh, you, 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 you can't speak to people in days on just need. You can't present yourself that way. God ultimately must become your source in ministry. For I have learned, so he had to learn it. He wasn't born that way. We said contentment is learned. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, to be without. That's what the word abased means. And I know how to abound. Right? So it talks about two extreme positions. To abase and to do what? Abound. Everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul says, hey, come on, I've learned this thing. So if you're hungry, it's not that you're under a curse. It's just the face of life. Because this is the Apostle Paul. He had to learn to be hungry. There, there, there was a phase in his life where things were not there. There was a phase in his life where there were no supplies. You know, most times, when I look at the way sometimes we are trained as believers, it's almost looking like if something is wrong, or something is not going the way we want, it's almost looking like the devil is after us. No, life happens. You know, it's like, for instance, you, you, you applied for promotion, it didn't come, and you're now, you know, binding, uh, demon chasing, running after who is after me. We always have this victim mentality about life, like, oh, something is against us, by now we should not be where we are. And if you check the effort you've put in up till that point, there's really probably nothing you've done that deserves you to have more. You didn't learn more, you didn't go to school more, you didn't, uh, you didn't just build enough capacity. You know, we have this, uh, not a good word, I'll change the word I wanted to use. We have this mindset, you know, we just have this mindset that next day will be better. You know, we just have this thing that 2018 forgets is my year. Why? There's absolutely nothing. There's really, I've explained it before. The Chinese people use probably a different calendar. The Jewish people use a different calendar. We use the Roman calendar. God does not live in time. There's no new year in God. He lives in eternity. Your spirit is eternal. It's your body that feels the impact of the new year. How does your body feel the impact of the new year? The rain is falling. The sun is shining. There's Hamatan. Your spirit does not know when it's a new year. And I showed you the day I taught you that. How successive years. Maybe if you sometimes if you go back, you could just search it. The year 2010 can be the exact, maybe this, this is not true, just an example. It can be like the same year in 1983. If you check the dates, it can be the same year. So how, what makes it new? Nothing. It's your investment into this year that makes new year new for you. If you don't change anything about your life, you have the same results. There is no automatic, I mean, and that's why sometimes we'll say, I say, oh, Pastor, what's God telling you about the year? I say exactly what he has said in his word. I can stand here and say it's the year of open door. Why? Because the Lord says he will open to me a door of utterance. 
And if I don't like that one again, I can change it and say it's a year of favor. Why do I say so? Because the Lord says it's the set time to favor Zion. And if I don't like that, I can say it's the year of possibilities. Why? I can change the year the way I want. Why? Because I've got God's word, which is a more sure word of prophecy. Are you following this now? Okay. How did I get there? Find evidence. <laughs> Whatever state to be content, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. Verse 13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, perfect. That's why we sang that song, Christ is enough. Right? Because through Him, we can know how to do what? Abase and abound. So, contentment has to be learned. There's always this push about, I mean, and I'm saying it, I believe in increase, I believe the Lord wants to increase us. But there must be this thing in our heart that our conduct is without covetousness. That's what the scripture says. That your conduct must be without covetousness. I was reading something yesterday, interestingly, I just stumbled on it. They they, they highlighted, it's a sports article, and they highlighted this. And the title of the article was 10 footballers who destroyed their career through greed. And listed 10 footballers. I'm not going to mention their names. Uh, But they listed 10 footballers. Alright? One of them is an African. Now, for some of them, it was gambling habits. Right? The greed was gambling habits. Now, they were well paid. But I mean, excessive gambling. To the extent that some of them, their club had to loan them money to pay off their debts. You will now ask yourself, why is a footballer gambling? He has all the money. I mean, you should... You shouldn't gamble, but if someone is gambling, it will be assumed that he's gambling so he can have more money. I know there are many people who play Naira bet. I don't understand how your Christianity works. How do, is it that when you want to bet, you now pray that the Lord should help you? I, I don't know how you, how you feel at that time that the Holy Spirit is the one guiding you. <laughs> and... For some, it is asking for excessive wages more than they are worth. And then the club had to let them go. For some, it is like going to a higher club at a very expensive wage and they couldn't deliver. And in contrast to that article, they showed people probably of the same range who took their career step by step and they're doing so well now. What am I trying to say? Covetousness is just trying to have much more than you are actually worth at a particular time in life. Trying to impress people much more than you can actually do at a particular time in life. My mates are doing this right now. The people at my level, the level both of you decided to agree on, are are in this thing right now. At my level, I shouldn't be doing this. And whether we like it or not, culturally speaking, if you look at the African culture and the Western culture, there's a lot of impression in our culture. If somebody becomes a member of the, the State House of Assembly, local government self, let's just say they just made somebody county law word for, it's finished. The man is gone for life. He moved, a uh, council law can't be staying in this kind of house. Why? What happened? Did he grow bigger? No. And automatically we just create this air of class around people that they have to meet up with. So you see, if somebody wins an election, the first thing he runs to church to do Thanksgiving. That even the pastor knows that the election was rigged. So I don't understand why they are thanking God. What are they thanking God for? That the man won. 
The man is thanking God in advance for the money he is going to steal. Like, I, I worship you, Father. Finally, <laughs> the doors of stealing have been massively opened unto me. Give me boldness, Lord, to steal. <laughs> so they build a church for us and put the light and they will find. And that's why we can't speak against corruption. Because when you collect sacrifices that are unworthy, you mute your voice. So Paul says he had to learn. You have to define that life, that line in your life. You have to be someone who is content on your way to increase. And be comfortable with it. Because Christ is enough for you. Contentment is cultivated by constantly pulling the weed. The weeds of greed in the garden of our life. One of the things you find about covetousness or greed is that it's listed among so many sins, including sexual immorality. I'm just going to read a line of scriptures. You can write it down. You can read that in Romans chapter 1, 26 to 27. You can read that in Romans chapter 1, verse 29. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 to 11. And Paul mentions greed amongst all other sins. Covetousness itself is sin. Greed itself is sin. Go to Ephesians 4.19, you find it there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. In Luke chapter 8, verse 14, I'll tell you, let's go there. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. State of contentment. Godliness and contentment, the scripture says, is great gain. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, when Jesus was talking about the parable, he says, and he said to them, take heed, take heed. To take heed means to beware. You know, in those days when we were freshing water, there were some compounds that had dogs. I, I don't like dogs. I've, I've never grown up with dogs. Uh, I know some people like dogs, but the one reason I don't like dogs is that they can't get born again. They are still animals. So, no matter how you train them, their, their spirit is not redeemed. You know, they can just get angry. And I had a terrible experience with dogs, so I don't like dogs. So, in those days when we were freshing water, you see some compound, they say, beware of dogs. Alright? Once you see the sign but beware of dogs, you don't need to now ask questions anymore. So until we later discover that some companies did actually have dogs. They just had the signboard. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't afford dogs. The signboards were cheaper. So, but they still scared us anyway. So Paul is saying, take it. Beware. Just as you would naturally, if you're not comfortable with dogs, if, if you, as, as you naturally see a dog and, hey, you know, you, you'll beware. That's what, that's what scripture is saying. Beware. Right? Sorry. The scripture flipped. Okay. Take it and beware of covetousness. Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So he says, take it. You have to beware of it. You have to guard against it, some translation says. Because a man's life does not consist of the things he possesses. Because the world's view is that your life consists of the things you possess. But God says, no, that's not what makes up your life. I am your life. I'm the reason for your existence. So you have to guard against it. Let's go to 
Luke chapter 8 verse 14. We read Luke 12 15. Let's go to Luke 8 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So he says, hey, these cares of this life can choke you. You hear the word. You're blessed by the world. Like, wow, Christ is my life. Wow, the cross before me. The world behind me. And then you go back home. She's like, oh God, why is my life like this? Beware. If the Lord says for us to beware of something, it means we need to pay attention to it. It means we need, it means we need to watch it. You know, somehow that's what gave rise to all kinds of offerings in the church. Sometimes. There's nothing wrong in allowing people to be blessed, to minister, to sow to the Lord. Just give generously. But then we began to come up with all kinds of offerings. Isaac offerings, Jacob offerings, Abraham's offerings. Right? Someone finished praying for you and say you need to seal the prayer with a seed. Because <laughs> the name of Jesus is not enough anymore. Right? And someone comes up and says, Hey, after hearing them, I, I, I went somewhere to preach. I finished preaching. And I sat down. And uh, the pastor came and said, How many of you have been blessed by this message? Ah, people raise ah, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> And then uh, he said, Now we have to, for us to really understand the message, you have to seal it with an offering. I felt like, oh God. <laughs> that means you didn't understand the message. Even the pastor did not understand. You don't, you can't see. All the people need to do to understand the message is to bring their brain, their Bibles, and their books. Let's bring their brain to church first. Bring their Bible and bring their books. I never, I'll tell you this, I'm never consigned about God meeting my needs, except the Lord had not sent me on that assignment. I'll tell you the truth. The Lord has used people outside of this local assembly to meet our needs in abundance. I mean, yesterday was just one of the testimonies. We finished the, the ladies gathering, we were not so much, and I was stepping outside, and one of the ladies who came from another, another church entirely, she met me and says, oh, the Lord said, I should bring this offering for you. I gave me 20,000. Now, I don't need to try to manipulate the people who came in for the meeting to meet my needs. I don't need to do that. The same thing with you. You don't need to do that. The Lord has the care of your life in His hands if you would listen to Him. He says, the cares of this world, they choke the Word of God in such a way that the Word of God does not come into maturity. If you find out the reason why a lot of people are not growing, it's covetousness. They won't, there's no time for the Word. They don't have time for the Word. They're always about making money. No time for fellowship. No time for Bible studies. No time for cell group meetings. We are all busy. Have you wondered how busy we are? And yet, we, the ends are not meeting. Hey, why didn't you come to church? Oh, pastor. Pastor. Even if you were me, you would not come to church. We agree. And isn't it amazing? Saints, let's look at it. We walk day in, day out. 
rise up early go to bed late and it's almost like we're eating the bread of sorrow so much hard work so little life to show for it why because it's the blessing of the lord that make it rich and he added no sorrow so we must constantly look into our lives and take out this weed three three ways we can do that quickly number one to pull the weeds of greed acknowledge god's ownership over all that you have psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord and all that it contains a paraphrased version psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord's the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein the first way to rid yourself of covetousness to learn contentment is to say everything that i have belongs to god god owns it god owns it paul said in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 to 20 do you not know that you are not your own for you were bought with a price you were bought with a price i remember i read this in a religious magazine many years ago it's quite a, a funny story um the the man wanted to be baptized you know i haven't got born again he said he should be baptized in water so as we were about to baptize the man he took his wallet out and he dropped it so the pastor says no we need to baptize both you and your finances you know because most people they just get baptized and their money is out there not involved in the kingdom acknowledge the ownership of god over your life you know sometimes when i'm encouraging people to serve the lord i i i some of you who follow me on facebook i posted something two three days ago two two lessons my father taught me that i'll never forget in my life number one he says the greatest investment you'll ever make in this life in investment in people just invest in people you can do investments in buildings properties and everything but invest in people and number two nobody in the scriptures ever pastored their own sheep whatever sheep they were taking care of belonged to someone else the people who come to church every sunday morning they don't belong to you they belong to god that freed me from the hypertension of if you don't show up then i get sick you know that's why a lot of pastors die very early it's just to oh this one broke my heart this one disappointed me whatever you do with your life is actually between you and god i'll teach you the word i'm not sure you are praying for you but you're not accountable to me you're accountable to god you stand before god and give accounts of your own life so it frees me from the pressure of he joined my church he left my church that's your choice i'll show up here every sunday morning i'll discharge my duties i'll teach the word whatever you do with it is between you and god but you know when i have to encourage people to serve god the one question i ask them is you don't have time to be in church how do you show your gratitude to god how and it's because we have also been wrongly taught that the only way we can show gratitude to god is by giving money you know sometimes giving money and not showing up can actually be an insult to god it can be you, you understand what i'm saying it's like i don't know how to explain it let me explain this way it's like saying hey god see i don't have time to hear from you today i don't have time to be with you but you know those are your boys you sent to bonnie to start church they might need some of this offering uh, pastor send the account that's two million 
just keep preaching to those who have time. We are busy making money. It's actually very insultive. Because your most precious resource is actually not your money. It's your time. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like getting married. Hey, come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say something. It's like getting married. And you say, my dear, I don't have time to be with you in this house. You understand? There's no time. But this is is television screen. This is car. This is cats. This is dog. This is teddy bear. These are jewelries, diamonds. If you want to go on holiday, ticket is here. But I don't. You know, at a point, you what's your wife going to say? I don't want these things. I want you. Your wife is going to say, I didn't marry things. It's you I married. You know that sometimes God's heart cry for us is not, it's not your money I married. It's you. Oh, pastor, but I'm busy. No, you're not. You're not. You chose to be. And you know why? Because if I don't open my shop today, ah, all the things I will sell today, I will not sell anymore. Funny enough, you will still come to those who still find time to be in church for help. So it's amazing. It's amazing. Your time. The ability to give God a portion of your time is a sign of gratitude. It's a sign of gratitude. It's a sign of contentment to say, Hey, Father, you give me 24 hours and I'm going to give this to you. I'm not just talking about coming to church for fellowship. That's part of it. It's important because the Lord says we should not neglect the gathering of ourselves together. But also the time you spend on your private moments, spending on the word and spending in prayers. To be able to separate yourself and say, Hey, I'm going to pray for one hour. Sign of gratitude. Sign of gratitude. We can pull the weeds of greed when we acknowledge God's ownership over all that we have. So God tells them, remember, I'm the Lord your God that gives you power to get wealth. So we can come to a state of contentment where we know that, hey, everything I have belongs to God. I am God. I'm here because of His mercy. If the Lord says, remember, it is because we have the tendency to forget. If the Lord says, remember, it's because we can forget. I've taught it here I've taught on Titan from a New Testament perspective I've taught it um, in our finance series I might deal with it some other time if I'm led of the Lord to do that but I see all over social media a lot of arguments should we tithe, should we not tithe should we do this, is Titan in the New Testament you know what, I mean sincerely speaking from my heart, if anybody comes to me and asks me that question, you know what I'm going to tell them keep your money that's the truth Oh, is it right to tie as Christians? You see, keep if you're still struggling, do you understand? If you're still struggling with giving to God, you know what you need. Keep your money and learn more about God. When you know so much about God, your generosity will be a second nature to you. It's like you give you give to God, and you're like, oh no, this is not enough. I want to give more. You won't need a sermon. It will just be a responsible Christian behavior. Look at David. God says, hey, too much blood in your hands. You can't build a temple for me. You know what David did? David said, hey, I know I can't build a temple, but I'm going to still give. Imagine if I come here and announce, hey, there's no more offering in this church. Like, 
pastor. That's why I like you. Ah, you are sent from God. You are the only true prophet in this world. Because now you have more money for Suya. <laughs> no. It's like, I make that kind of announcement and you say, no, pastor, see, listen, even if you don't want to receive an offering, we still want to give. That's what the scripture said about the Macedonian Christian. It says they begged us for an opportunity to give. They were poor. They were poor. But you know what Paul says? If you go to that scripture, we'll spend time to study those guys. Brilliant people. You know what Paul says? Paul says the first of all did what? Gave themselves to us. You know what happened? They gave themselves to Paul. How did they give themselves to Paul? They sat down listening to Paul teach. They sat down listening to Paul teach. They heard the word of God so much. The image on their hearts changed. And they said, no, listen, listen. People, more people need to hear this truth. More people need to hear this truth. And they just, and Paul like, no, hey guys, don't give, don't give. He said, no way, we are giving. You think such a person would have time to be asking if tithe was Old Testament or New Testament? Or, no, just keep it. It's not time yet. Contentment means we're grateful to God every moment of our life for whatever state we're in at that moment. Number two, to pull the weeds of greed, you put your treasure where you want your heart to be. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will always follow your money trail. Your heart will always follow your money trail. If you have stocks, for instance, in... Uh, Dangote cement. Every time you pick the newspaper, you know where you're going to read first? The Dangote cement stock. No, I, I don't have stocks, right? The, the only stock I bought, the kind of money they are sending me, I feel like even sending it back to them. Like maybe two naira, two naira. Even the money I transported to go to the post office to collect the dividend is more than the dividend. So I've written to the company, don't go, just keep it. You understand that? Now, I mean, I don't, I don't, but people who really do investments in stocks. So when I carry the newspaper, for instance, do you know where I go to? I just go and check the back page for the sports results and see what my beloved club got for the week. Why? Because that's where the connection of my heart is. Right? And, but if you are into stock trading, what are you going to pick first? Where the stock market is? Because that's where your treasure is. So one of the ways we can kill our hearts is to put our treasure where our heart is. Put our treasure where our heart is. And that's very, very important. Number three, to pull the weeds of greed from our heart, we must live in the light of eternity. Covetousness and greed is always short-sighted. It is focused on this life now. Put a man on his deathbed and offer him a billion dollars. Apart from leaving it to his heirs, the money will be worthless to him. We must consciously live in the light of eternity. It's amazing somehow as believers how we are so caught up in this world that we do not even lift our eyes to know that there is a world beyond this place. The man says, oh, my bands are big. I've got to build a bigger band. I will say to myself, it's down and rest and do this. And God says, you fool, tonight your soul will be taken away from you. I, I, you know, how many of us in the last one year told ourselves we are going to go out on soul winning? And it doesn't bother us anymore. We're not conscious of people coming to the Lord. 
We just live it like everything is now. Everything is about what we wear. Everything is about what we drive. And <laughs> saints of God, there's more to life. We're spirit being. We must live with the consciousness of eternity. Scripture talks about laying up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Which is talked about living, laying up treasures in the realm of the Spirit. Doing the things that count for eternity. That's one of the reasons we give to the gospel. That's one of the reasons we partner with ministers to preach the gospel. I, I'll share the testimony with you when I was in South Africa. And uh, the lady, a lady who came for a meeting who had arthritis and ministered to her and the Lord healed her. She got walking. That's something. The joy of healing. The joy of salvation. The joy of deliverance. That's one of the reasons we give to the gospel. That when people are born again and are living the life of the kingdom, they're off the streets. They're not robbing. They're not there killing people. They're not there kidnapping people. The gospel is the only solution to humanity's problem. That the word of God is the only solution. The gospel truly believed and acted upon is the only solution. If a man actually hears and receives the gospel, it will change his character. If I see a believer who is not believing, behaving the way he is believing, he hasn't believed yet. If you actually become born again and you receive the life of Christ, you must have character transformation. It must impact you. It might take some time, but you see, your value system will begin to change. I said some time ago on Twitter, I said, what the Bible calls vanity, believe that it is vanity. Trust the Bible's definition of it. When Solomon says everything upon everything is vanity, he says, ah, don't worry, it's because I don't mind Solomon, it's the women that confused him. No, it's not the women. He, he had everything. He had resources. He had fame. He had influence. But you know how he concluded the book of Ecclesiastes? He says, this is the whole duty of man. To fear God and to obey his commandments. The next one. To pull the weeds of greed in our hearts, we must make it our aim to give more, not just to accumulate more. must make it our aim to give more. I believe that 10% tithing is a foundational platform for believers to learn generosity. I believe that as you grow, you should increase your giving. But again, it's between you and God and your growth in God. Giving is a cure to covetousness. We heard the story of someone like George Muller who trusted God, took care of orphans in England. 10,000 kids. He could have used all of those money to make himself better. One of the most uh, modern day examples of uh, 
um, of this is David Green, Hobby Lobby. He's written another book. By the way, between Gabriel and, <laughs> and Brown, where's my book? <laughs> He's written another book. What's the title of that book again? Giving it all away, right? Yeah, giving it all away. And he begins to explain how he set himself to be a distributor of God's resource. Some of you use the version Bible. They actually pay to make that Bible free throughout the world. There was a time where Oral Roberts University had some issues of debt and the state wanted to take it over. He completely bailed out the university. You know, this giving we're talking about now, this one is not tightening. Do you understand? It's moved beyond. Uh, you know, some of you, the way you have been taught about tithing, you harass God to the point where God returns the tithe. Father, Father, it's 10,000 and I gave you one. And Lord, my tithing number is 118222. Check it in heaven. God said, well, How much did you give that you won't let me? It grew beyond that. Ah, if I don't tithe, the devourer, listen, 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 listen. Just move beyond that. That's elementary. We're not now talking about what we can give for God to give us back. You understand? That's elementary. We have now moved into a place where we're saying, Lord, we are stewards of this resource. We want to become distribution centers. Where to, Lord? We've moved beyond, you know, we've moved beyond the point where we are actively you know, negotiating with God. I give you 10, you give me 30. Then I go make 60, you give me 90. You've, you've moved beyond that. That's primary level. You can start with that, but you've gone beyond that. And right now, David Green's family, they are funding a, a museum, a Christian museum, where they are putting like Christian artifacts and all that to preserve like the history of Christianity. I mean, this is not casual giving we're talking about. This is massive stuff. And I say this to you. How come, for those of you who read wide, how come billionaires like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and all of those guys, how come they are setting up foundations to give? You think it's just because they want to be nice people? I don't think so. They are already nice people. You know what? Probably they have also come to the end of wealth and discovered that is this all there is. It's like, okay, fine. And you know what those people do? That's, that's what I want to challenge you. You know what those people do? They give to a cause. They say, hey, we want, to, we want to, 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 maybe one of the days the Lord helps us, we'll talk about the ministry of giving. You know what they, they say? We want to uh, end malaria in Africa. They have stopped giving just for generosity's sake. They are now giving to establish a cause. That's that's the realm you should believe God to move into. That's the realm you should believe God to move into. Move beyond this uh, 10%, 2015, I give last year, I will not give this month, I will skip it. So just trust God to move beyond that. That you can look at a village and say there is no gospel church in this village. We will partner with a pastor, we will build a church, we will buy the sound system, we will make sure that the gospel comes to this village. That's giving to a cause. Oh, this message needs to be heard in this region of the world. Let's get on a radio station there. Don't worry, we'll sort it out. That is giving to a cause. 
You're no longer giving for your own personal interest just to have. You have moved beyond that now. I'd like to end with this. If we do not draw the line in our heart, what is enough? This pursuit will never end. If we do not draw the line in our heart and say, Hey, Father, thank you for all you've done. For me, my kids, we're fine. The rest, it's time to be of a blessing to the world. This pursuit will never end. But the amazing thing is that when we set our hearts in that way, you know what happens? The Lord just keeps releasing the doors. It's like, hey. The beautiful thing about God is that even if all of us, including me preaching today, decide to say, hey, hey God, no, this thing is not, it's not going to work this way. The Lord will still raise up people who will get the job done. That's the beautiful thing about God. His purposes on the earth will never be stopped. And so this is an invitation to a lifestyle of contentment. To a lifestyle of peace and quiet. Let the agitations in our hearts cease. Let the craving, the looking down on ourselves because of what we don't have, the low self-esteem, the hiding in our shells because we feel that oh we don't have enough in the bank let it cease there is a life of contentment in Christ that we all have access to it's the beauty of Christianity it's the beauty of Christianity I, I, I passed this morning to, to think about my, my grandparents all my grandparents are, are late now but my paternal grandparents didn't really serve God. My maternal grandparents did serve God. And I imagine going to the, to the farm with my grandmother and cutting firewood. And when we come back home, all of those energy, all of those stuff, with all her body beaten. She will separate part of her firewood and says we should carry it to the, to the pastor's house. And in my mind, I'm looking back right now just thinking, what was it that was inspiring this old woman to give? Not just giving to the pastor. Not just that. Early in the morning, she would get up. Go to church. They'll go sweep the church. Every time the doors are thrown open, my grandmother will be in church. And I'm asking myself, absolutely my grandmother wasn't serving God because of what she can get. She desired nothing from God. She desired nothing. She wasn't believing God for a breakthrough. She wasn't. She used to serve this water thing in our side. And she heard the gospel. And she received the Lord as a personal Lord and Savior. And she made one commitment. Said, Since the Lord had saved me from destruction, I'd serve him all the days of our life. And looking back now, sometimes I wonder if even the life I'm living and what I'm doing 
probably the blessings of God on my life. It's not because of the commitment of that old woman. Who didn't have so much to give. But she would partake and share of her firewood. She would go to church in the morning and sweep the place. Just thanking God. And when the bells start ringing, nothing this woman is doing will be as important as showing up in church. The few times I lived with my grandmother, she was never late to church. I remember there was a particular day she was making starch. You know, they didn't have wristwatch. She doesn't have a work clock. She can't read a work clock. So they had a bell, a big bell. You know this Aglican bell? When you draw the whole village, knows it's time for church. So they, sing the, 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 they ring the first bell, and then they ring the second bell, and then the third bell is the final bell. That, that means church is... Uh, uh, at that time when you go to church, they'll put a stick in front. And until they finish the prayer and the first reading, they will not open that. You know, we can't try that here. That's the day you stop coming to church. We laugh about these things, but we should ask ourselves very critical questions. If we are lowering the standards of our commitment to Christ. If we have found that same things that our parents found when they gave their life to Christ. When they became born again, the things that made them to throw certain things away. To walk away from certain relationships. Are we tampering with the sanctity of the Christian faith? Is it possible that we are lying compromise in because we can get away with everything? Is the abundance of things impacting on our conscience on the way we serve Him? So I present the scriptures to you this morning on what the Word of God says is contentment. And I present the picture of my lovely grandmother who has gone on to be with the Lord and the way she served the Lord. That without anything should go to the farm with her grandkids and do all she can come back home with firewood to cook but still in her heart she remember that there is a priest who taught me the word that I need to be of a blessing to I don't have money to give but of my labor I can share and beyond that when the doors are thrown open I will show up so I remember this particular day she was making starch and the first bell rang. She said she thought she would quickly finish. The second bell rang. She left the starch unfinished. Quickly ran to church. With sweat all over her. She didn't have time to bathe. I've heard people who say I can't come to church because this was what I wore last Sunday. She ran to church. And I'm asking myself, what, what was it? It was because their salvation was more important to them than anything the world could offer. And if you grow up in my part of the village, stash is not something you play with. It's very precious. It's very precious. I present to you God's word and a picture of my, of my grandmother. And I'm asking you today, as we make progress into the year that is coming, I know we have a lot of goals. We have a lot of things we want God to do for us. But maybe for once, let's reverse the picture and tell Him what we would like to do for Him. Let's be on our faith. Let's be on our faith. That the Lord will help us. 
to make a radical commitment that this thing out there in the world that's choking everybody we're not going to be part of that system we're not going to be part of that system I just want us to reflect for a moment as we close. Let's, let's reflect for a moment. Let's reflect for a moment. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to preserve the sanctity of the Christian faith. Help us, Jesus. Saints, that we will not need books like this to teach us about contentment. That the word of God will be enough. That the Lord will not have to raise up stones to call us back to order that we look at probably a secular book and it begins to tell us exactly what the word of God has been telling us Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.